Welcome to episode six of the Bay Preps Insider Podcast, getting you ready for week five of the high school football season. A lot of leagues play in their first league games this week, including the WCAL. Rather than give you a detailed rundown of everything, just give you a few matchups to really set your eyes on as we head into what should be a really fun weekend. Then you'll get the full rundown when we do our recap come Sunday night. So first off, just want to give an update situation that I alluded to during the last episode. The most recent update out of the Willow Glen Leland situation with a coach pushing over a chain gang member. It appears it was Willow Glen's head coach who did so, Oscar Caballero, but apparently he was just trying to knock a phone out of the chain gang member's hands because the guy was reportedly trying to record their signals. I don't know how game officials didn't get involved with this at all. It seemed like a very bizarre situation, but I don't have any... I don't have a full resolution at this time. I assume this will be one of those things where, you know, like the coach gets placed on leave while they try to figure everything out is just kind of a let's figure out what's going on here type of deal. And it'll probably be unresolved for, I don't know, at least a week. I don't really have an exact timeline on that, just speculating based on how situations like this typically work, as unconventional as this one is. also just want to mention, I think it makes future meetings between those two programs in any sport really interesting and worth keeping an eye on, even if it's not like a typical rivalry. I think things are going to be kind of on high alert, going to be a little more tense moving ahead, so... That is something to follow as it continues to progress. Good job by the Mercury News keeping that very bizarre and one-of-a-kind situation up to date. In less bizarre situations, there's going to be some good football games this weekend. So the big intersection game this week would have to be De La Salle heading to Folsom. That's going to be Friday night at this point. I think the whole... The whole NorCal hierarchy is clearly number one, Sarah, and then everyone else kind of chasing that. I think through mutual results at the moment, Folsom would be number two, but a De La Salle win here would make things really interesting, considering De La Salle had the larger margin of defeat against Sarah, but obviously head-to-head results are emphasized. De La Salle also has that win over St. Mary Stockton, which they didn't just win, they won pretty convincingly, ended up winning by 14, led by as much as 21. Interesting non-league matchups in the NCS. Got a couple to really highlight. Uh, Campolindo at Monta Vista. Campolindo coming off that bizarre tie a couple weeks ago. Cougars had a bye last week. Will be at Monta Vista, who is 3-1 following a loss to Amador Valley. Mustangs have scored at least 34 points in every game, but in their last two, they've given up 30 and 41, so we'll be looking to hammer things out defensively there. That's going to be on NorCal Sports TV, so if you're not able to catch that one live, you'll be able to go back and get it after the fact. Uh, also out in the East Bay, you've got the Amador Valley-Foothill rivalry. Foothill 0-3, but... Two very close losses. The one lopsided defeat was against El Cerrito, who Amador Valley kept much closer. So you would have to imagine Amador's a pretty considerable favorite in that. But, you know, pull out the old, it's a rivalry, anything can happen, cliche. And in this matchup, a lot of times that actually has held true. Which, face it, in high school sports, usually the gap in talent is 
sizable enough that you're usually able to predict what's going to happen. I think this is one of those games where you kind of got to approach it with that anything-can-happen mentality, though. Foothill also going to be tough playing in that EBAL Mountain division, while Amador Valley ended up in the lower division of the two, the Valley division. You know, hindsight being twenty twenty, that may have been done backwards. We see that a lot with power leagues, unfortunately, where, you know, the divisions get set a few months in advance, and then you know, some kids hit the weight room, someone transfers, and, and you end up with a bit of a, an imbalance there, which is unfortunate. Other big Friday night game out along that 680 corridor, San Ramon Valley hosting Liberty. Remember, Liberty nearly beat Los Gatos a couple weeks ago, led him by three scores. SRV enters at 4-0, coming off of that lopsided win over McClyman's last week. I think this will be a really important game to gauge for SRV, because with Liberty, they'll have a mutual opponent later this year against Pittsburgh. Get a sense of kind of who should have the edge there, and like the two versus three argument in the North Coast section, because I think it's pretty clear right now that next class after De La Salle, you know, it's some mix of SRV, Pitt, maybe Clayton Valley or Cal. I think this will be a really important game to give you kind of that basis to compare the BVAL and the EBAL. Down south in the CCS got a couple interesting ones as the PCAL opens up this week. Remember, a long time ago now, I feel old saying this, there used to be the TCAL the Mission Trail League, the Monterey Bay League, and everything merged a few years back into the Pacific Coast Athletic League. So a few matchups highlighted there. I want to start off with two teams that are a combined 1-5, not counting a couple of forfeits, but as lopsided as their defeats have been. Should be fun to have Watsonville and Santa Cruz get together. That's a traditional rivalry that dates back probably close to 100 years now. And as of now, it looks like Santa Cruz will be able to field a team. Remember, their numbers have been down, and they're super young this year, and it's been it's been tough sledding for them. As of now, their games the last couple weeks are not officially online as forfeits. I believe they'll be considered forfeits, which will be important for calculating playoff points for the likes of Soquel and Hollister. I believe the game I'm going to be going to Friday night is going to be Mitty at St. Francis. I'm planning on starting the day with Oakland at Washington up in the city and then make my way down 280, get to the Mitty-St. Francis game where you're going to have the 3-0 Monarchs taking on the 1-2 Lancers. Last year, St. Francis beat Mitty at Foothill College to close out the regular season, and then come playoff time, they fell in overtime. They kind of continued an uncomfortable trend for the Lancers of playoff eliminations against teams that they had beaten in the regular season. And this one might have been the most gut-wrenching of all, losing on a botched extra point in overtime. When everyone was thinking, you know, they're playing really good ball right now, they're going to go in and take on Sarah in a week instead. That seven-game winning streak and their season came to an end with a 42-41 to Overtime loss. Mitty trailed 35 to 20, rallied late to tie it. Wills Towers worked his magic with Ben Kim and Danny Scudero. And then in OT, it was Charlie Butler catching a Towers touchdown. 
And then after St. Francis scored, botched snap on the extra point, and just a gut-wrenching way for the season to end. Uh, Towers in that game threw for five touchdowns. Kingston Kayana who is now a junior for the Lancers, ran for five scores that night as well. Going to be a good test of the midi run defense. It's a head-to-head matchup that I've only had the privilege of seeing a couple times in person, and I'm looking forward to watching again, especially with the added excitement of just any game at St. Francis being such a fun time. Going to take a quick break here and then wrap things up with a few other games to watch this weekend, including a loaded Saturday slate amidst a great college football schedule. Today's episode is brought to you by Driving for Rideshare Services to Make Ends Meet. Driving for Rideshare Services to Make Ends Meet. Swallow your pride. It's what you gotta do. Don't forget, you can... Follow everything we're doing right now on bayprepsinsider.substack.com. In the next couple weeks, things will be migrating over to its own site. Web design is a very time-consuming process, and for now, the whole purpose of just doing things on Substack was to make things free to anyone who's interested before moving everything to the paid subscription format. Give people a taste, make sure that the content is what they're interested in. And don't forget, I am always open to any suggestions, any comments, things you want to hear on this show, things you want to see written. Be sure to hit me up, ethancastle at gmail.com, Castle Media on Twitter. Always open to conversation and comments. So a few other Friday night CCS games that I've got my eye on, the non-league game between Palo Alto and Menlo Atherton. Palo Alto 2-2 two and two after getting blown out by Los Gatos last week, although they were quite shorthanded. MA 1-3 after the frustrating loss to Menlo. The Bears had some very strong individual performances in that game, but didn't have it as a team. Most notably, the offensive line really struggled, but nonetheless, QB Xander Eshelman, receiver Owen Van Lobenselz, and tight end Alec Marshall were at their best. Defensive end Devin Hyde was excellent, and he should be accompanied by Kyrie Jett this week. Jet missed the last couple games, had his hand in a cast, but should be back, as should powerful running back Jordan Masui-Sui. Palo Alto was missing a bunch on defense these last couple weeks. The injuries should be much healthier, and that should be a fun crowd, usually is, even though there's less of a split in terms of where kids from EPA go. Usually they stay within San Mateo County now if they're going to public schools, and most of them end up at Menlo Atherton, but... There are still a few that end up over at Palo Alto, and despite being in different school districts, being across county lines, being in different leagues for everything outside of football, there are enough common ties between these two schools that it should make for a pretty fun atmosphere and a sense of familiarity that a lot of games don't always provide in the age of power leagues. Speaking of power leagues, a couple of games to kick things off, revisiting the PCAL over in the Gabalon division, SoCal. Off to a 2-1 start on the field, plus that forfeit win over Santa Cruz that'll presumably be awarded. Hosting Salinas, Salinas 1-3 after blowing out Seaside last week, following three losses to excellent teams to open the year. Real chance for SoCal under former NFL defensive back Dwight Lowry to prove that the Gabalon division is where they belong. Should be a fun juxtaposition. Salinas with, you know, 60-some guys on the roster, SoCal just under 40. Salinas with just one league loss in the last couple of years, that coming last year against Aptos. 
The other Gabalon game that interests me involving a newcomer is Monterey visiting Palma. Monterey was up 55-0 at halftime last week over Monta Vista Christian and is 3-0. Toreadors look like a team that can really put on the points quickly, as they did against Aragon a few weeks ago as well, really pulling away in the third quarter. Palma 3-1, the one loss to Yuma Catholic, who made the trip from Arizona. Palma's three wins all over local teams, including a 42-15 route of Alisal last week. Not the typical Palma non-league schedule, with the exception of that Yuma Catholic game. So I think this will be a chance to really get a good evaluation of both teams. I think we're getting to that point in the season where we start to really come up with a sense of who belongs where and what games are worth checking out. I mean, we're still going to see a handful of upsets, but I think this is the point of the year where things start to make a little sense. We start to figure out, you know, all right, two, three weeks from now, this is a game worth seeing and kind of hash things out from there. Over in the Mission North division, Monta Vista Christian taking on Seaside, a couple of the favorites down there. Seaside, 2-1, and one, MVC, 3-1. and one. Both lost lopsided games last week to the likes of Monterey and Salinas. Chance to open up league play on a good note. Remember a few years ago, those teams were both kind of stuck at the bottom of the Gabalon division. They're, and they're kind of in that tweener category, you know, they'll bounce back and forth between the Gabalon and Mission. Just through non-league results, it seems like MVC, Seaside, and perhaps Scotts Valley are the teams to watch for there. Would imagine the winner of that league ends up somewhere in Division 3 or 4 come playoff time. As for the two big games on Saturday, last year when I faced this predicament, I was able to make it to see kickoff of both games, which is not going to be easy to do, but once a year, Valley Christian hosts their big Saturday night homecoming game. If you're going, get there early, parking is a nightmare, or do what I do and have special parking access thanks to some connections. Come hungry, there will be lots of food trucks. It'll be a long halftime. It'll be a big crowd. And it'll be especially big this year against Bellarmine. The last couple years were against SI and SHC. For it to be Bellarmine against Valley on a Saturday night is going to be pretty phenomenal. But that's at 6 p.m. And the question is, can I get there in time for kickoff with SI facing Reardon at 2 p.m.? Now, it does help that Reardon's on the southern tip of San Francisco right off 280, but Valley Christian is, of course, way down at the south end of San Jose. So all of those challenges come into play as we approach what should be a really exciting weekend. What worked to my advantage last year was that Reardon's Saturday afternoon game before Valley's 6 p.m. game ended 3 to nothing. It was like a two-hour game. It was actually Reardon playing against Bellarmine at the time. Anyway, Reardon hosting SI. Most of the discussion about, you know, who could be the CCS D1 champ, who could finish second in the WCAL behind Sarah, seems to center around a mix of SI, Reardon, St. Francis, and Valley Christian. So this should give us some clarity there and see if maybe Bellarmine starts to get itself into the picture as well. Remember, Bells are under a first-year head coach who was appointed very late into the cycle. David Diaz-Infante, looking forward to meeting him for the first time on Saturday. And teams with new coaches, especially such a late hire as things went, 
you know, it takes a little while for them to get their feet under them. And Bellarmine is certainly battle-tested, having already faced the likes of not just Menlo Atherton, but Montevista and McClymans. I mean, if you've played three games and Menlo Atherton's the weakest of those teams, you've played one heck of a schedule. As for SI Reardon, I already talked about that one a bit. I think this is going to be a chance for a lot of kind of slept-on linemen to really show their stuff, whether that's John Mills and John O'Brien for SI or for Reardon to show off Kololo Taaga and the Tofi brothers. Biggest question for this game, I think, is can SI run the ball against a big Reardon defensive front? And how can SI slow Reardon's explosive playmakers out wide, the likes of Chris Lawson and Tyrone Jackson? If SI can do that, I think they've got quite a good chance. But this is an SI team that is kind of young at some of the skill positions after last year having a guy like Gus Parker that they could lean on, who I really want to emphasize again, was one of the most underrated wideout and defensive backs in the entire Bay Area. There were a lot of weeks where he ended up matching up with future D1 talents such as R.L. Miller, and they kind of just played to a draw, canceled each other out in a lot of ways. So if someone can fill that role for SI, could be a great day for the Wildcats. Otherwise, could be the Crusaders' chance to beat SI for the first time since 2017, which was an overtime game at Kizar Stadium. Basketball star Jelani Clark was playing football at the time. Caught a touchdown, I believe, in OT to win that game. Future San Jose State punter Travis Benham was Reardon's quarterback at the time, going back into this box score. Fun to look at some of these names and see kind of position changes and where they ended up. A lot of these people, you know, multi-sport athletes. Anyway, that's pretty much the lowdown on the games you got to keep an eye out for this week. I'll be updating on Twitter constantly, of course. I'm about to go catch some volleyball between Burlingame and Menlo Atherton, and I look forward to staying in touch throughout the weekend. If you see me at a game, be sure to say what's up. You know, the social aspect is honestly one of my favorite parts of this, and it's one of the things that sets high school sports apart. So please do say hi if you are around. Looking forward to what should be a really fun weekend of football. I think one of the best high school weekends of the season based on the schedule, especially that Saturday. It just does happen to go up against some of the best college football matchups of the year. So if you're following along from home instead of actually coming out to some of these games, I don't blame you. But I do hope to see you in person. It's, you know, the crowds and the atmosphere are part of what makes high school sports so special. So please come on down, say what's up if you see me, and I look forward to checking in with you again.